So for this episode, we want to talk to Nigel, who is a PR professional, and get him to share his experiences from the PR world and see if there's any um, advice for people wanting, wanting to join PR and also some of the highs and lows of that career. So hello, Nigel. What's up, what's up? Okay, so I think we can just dive right in and ask, how did you start this um, career? I've always grown up wanting to work around uh, two main things, uh, either in the NGO world, which is the uh, non-governmental organization, uh, anything to do with social services or, you know, um, helping any sort of uh, uh, minority groups, those kind of things. Or the other thing that I was also looking at was to uh, work in the sports world because um, I'm very interested in football. And then, um, yeah, so PR sort of came into uh, my my whole like career because uh, it sort of allowed me to do both in a way or to, to de- develop skills to actually, you know, work in both the sports or NGO world. Um, why I say that? Because uh, it helps you to meet um, sort of people who have interesting stories and you help them to to tell these stories uh, through mainstream media channels or through social media. So yeah, that's, that's how I came into um, PR and that's uh, why I worked with my first agency in 2016. Uh, because they were, I knew that they were working with um, one or two sports organizations that I, I really liked in Singapore. Okay, so did you like actively kind of seek out that company? No, not actually. Because uh, I, I, I had some friends who knew that I wanted to work in sports or, or you know, in in the social services. So I think there was um, this company was actually. Um, uh, some someone, uh, one of my seniors in in poly actually worked with this company before, and this company was actually focused a lot on sports events, and um, you know their their niche was sort of uh, publicizing all these sports events, and uh, sort of um, you know telling stories of participants to draw more participant eyeballs and to 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 gather more interest. So they they actually worked with OCBC Cycle and and uh you know like tennis events and basketball events like NBA three three X yeah and uh, at the time uh they were actually working with Football Association of Singapore so I I actually interned with Football Association of Singapore maybe in twenty fifteen or twenty fourteen so. It was a it was a nice thing I was like oh um, this is something cool uh, and I want to work in sports so you know and this is a sports PR agency so why not join them okay and I guess from there what are some of the experiences that you've had and maybe both good and bad and how have they impacted you and this career uh, I've only been I've only been like let me just say that. <laughs> I'm still very much a fledgling in this uh, industry. I've only been around uh, doing PR for about three years and 10 months, I think. 
yeah, less than four years. So, uh, there were two incidents that really stood out. Um, the first, the first one was when I was, I think, in my first, in my first year, uh, we were doing a a campaign for national service. Uh, so we were recognizing fifty years since the inception of na- national service, and uh, and in order to do that, uh, we had to speak to different generations of uh, uh, serv- national servicemen. So. Um, we we know that now there's like four Gs, NSM. I'm not sure, right? I'm not, I think three or four generations. You don't know how many Gs they have already, lah. Yeah, but I I spoke to the very very first. Uh, no, even before the very first generation. So even before one G, right? There was a group of. Um, like the pioneer group is it like a pioneer batch? No, no. Okay, so this is not even the pioneer group. This is like before the pioneer batch. Uh, these were sort of, the first ever incheks or the first ever. Group of incheks. So how how, uh, how old they were was this warrant guy? officers, huh? How old was this guy? I think eighty plus. Uh. So yeah. they learned so, from the, the Israeli army, is it? These guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. Correct. Okay. So so these are the guys, right? That taught the first batch of pioneers. So they were way older than the nineteen sixty seven batch. Yeah, yeah. So this guy, this guy in particular, right, he's a he's a Malay gentleman. Uh he he was involved in the confrontasi and my job was to actually speak to him um and sort of ghost write a commentary uh for him uh on the new paper so i had to tell his story and in telling his story also highlight the importance of why we needed to um you know why we needed people like him lah basically uh, why why we need national service so his story was that he uh so at that time so to give some context at the time confrontasi was when uh, uh indonesia um you know there were some squabbles between indonesia and singapore and indonesia actually sent some uh, highly trained individuals to singapore to cause some havoc uh, and um they had there were some bombings in McDonald House. I think you all remember. Yeah. And Wait, when was that again? Wow, this this was in the sixties. I I don't want to be wrong, last It was in the sixties, yeah. but I can't remember when. And uh, there were some very covert operations by the by the Indonesians, uh, Indonesian army at the time. Mm. And uh, so their job as the f- sort of uh, train, uh army personnel was to guard the shores of east coast so right. uh this 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 malay gentleman was uh he recalled having to patrol certain areas and uh, look out for the these uh indonesian commandos who were covertly coming over to singapore and uh, he also recalled one thing that greatly um, convinced him of his of his of the importance of his job, he said that uh, he saw one of his uh, uh, platoon mates get shot. So he said that that, that really Indonesian brought home. Guys. Uh yeah yeah yeah. So they they were engaged in some kind of like it was not. 
at the time I, I don't know how well known this incident was but uh, it was not like a huge uh, all out uh, battle it was very right. like small cases skirmish yeah so so at that time right I, I think I think at that time to me PR was just uh, to be honest lah, it was just like it was propaganda for me um, what I thought I was doing was to just uh, f- uh, make NS sound better than what people perceive it to be I right. think all of well, us I guess that's the role of PR anyway, right? Not, not exactly. So not exactly. So that's why the incident really allowed me to change my perspective because we all each have um, a story about our NS experience, right? I'm sure you as a guardsman, uh, you have your own... You, you don't view national service as a complete waste of your time, mm-hmm. right? And Vin, you, you were... You were in military police, you know. I'm sure you also have your own experiences. But for me, because I was a, a driver, I, I I really thought that, that I was wasting my time, lah. You know, and and of course, it's no fault of anyone. Uh, you know, I was not motivated to do anything more. So, yeah. So so to me, in, in national service at the time was like, oh, it's just I just have to serve it, lor. And then when I worked in, you know, having to do national service I thought it was not uh, I thought I was you know f- I, I, I didn't have to f- dress it up because people already formed their own perception of national service but when I heard the guy's story right uh, it really hit home because uh, he said that you know if I if I don't do this right then who will and at the time it was so it was so impactful because like he was really there was no there was no idea of national service as a mandatory thing he volunteered to do it and then I asked him why he wanted to do it he said if if not me right then who will yeah so so that really like serve as a like a driver lah that uh, I have to do this because I'm not it's not propaganda it's it's finding stories finding pe- uh, stories that people have not heard of and putting it out there. So I got the chance to do that. Then I also got the chance to, you know, got get him featured on, on Malay, on Surya, on Surya, one of the programs. Lah. So he got to tell his story, you know, in, in different platforms. And that, that was the role, that was my role, help to find the target, the right target audience and also help to, um, you know, frame this story so that the target audience can understand uh, the importance of his service. So that was the first incident that, that really changed my perspective. Then another thing was uh, I was working on another project. So what I have to do as a PR practitioner, right, I have to find uh, participant stories. And it was very tedious at the time because I was just given a, a sort of Excel sheet of names and and their reasons for joining. So when you actually register for the event, right? They they give a line for you to type why right, you the, want to participate. Form. Yeah, on the sign up form. And then I came across. So I I was just scrolling through, right? Read like manually scrolling through. Then I saw this this guy was running. He says he's running for his kid, who is like 
uh, two years old or less than uh, yeah, two years old. Uh, he has a rare, his kid has a rare heart condition called myocardiopathy. And uh, his heart is so weak, right, that um, yeah, basically it's, it's, it's very weak that he, he, he cannot do what, uh, he cannot do the activities that most trios would do. He cannot run. Uh, he, yeah, he can't do strenuous activity. And then I met this guy, right, uh, in the hospitals or more because his son uh, is in and out of ICU Mm. like for months on end and then this guy was like barely older than me maybe four years older than me or something and then i asked him why do you want to why do you want to do this why why are you why are you um running in this marathon la? he says he wants to draw attention to to the to this very little known illness and he wants to give his son the feeling of running in a marathon. So what he planned to do, right, is in his last like 100 meter or 200 meter before the finish line, he'll get his, so his son will be waiting at the at the side and then the wife will push, sort of push the son towards him and then he'll push the son on a stroller mm. to the finish line. Right. Then I was like, what, what the fuck? Like, oh my God. First of all, your son is, you know, it, let, let's be honest, like, it's, it's a very, um, the condition is so severe that that any any sort of uh, triggering incident could immediately bring him back to ICU. And I don't know as a and that was his first. So he has two kids. Uh, he has a younger son, you know, who's thankfully perfectly healthy. Uh, so this was his firstborn, and I cannot imagine, right. Uh, a person who is barely older than me in his 30s you know having to go through that 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 kind of uh that kind of pain la, for 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 3 years mm. um and yeah it, it finally i finally got it la, like, it was like you know that kind of sacrifice i've never i've rarely seen it you know um yeah, so so that, that that one was like very impactful uh, for me. So like you you said at the start, like you wanted to do something that related to like, NGOs and social work and everything. Do you think these kind of experiences has helped fill that fulfilled that that want? Yeah, so it allowed me to. Okay, first of all, I think. Uh, I think it allowed me to understand how to not only uh, um, draw these stories out by talking to them, but also because I had to work with uh, media, uh, with journalists, to sort of um, uh, be sort of the intermediary between the, the interviewee and the interviewer, the journalist. So, uh, it allowed me to be very uh, careful with my words in how I present this, uh, in how I want the, their stories to be presented. Yeah, it's very important because uh, you, you, don't want, you don't want the journalist to, 
get the wrong idea, or not not wrong idea, but you don't want the journalist to get an idea of the narrative that is divergent from from the actual narrative. So sometimes journalists will take their liberties to to, to suit their own like narrative, yeah, their own publications yeah. like agenda. It, yeah, it's yeah, it's not it's not it's not a wrong thing to do like Sometimes, um, you know, you have to draw out the the pull factor a bit more. So sometimes you would tend to blow it up uh, a bit bigger than it is. Yeah. Sensationalize yeah. So, it. I guess. Yeah. So so it was it was very important to also balance uh, uh sensitivities, um, and also to to draw the key messages properly. So yeah, I would say that it's helped me to to find the narrative and to tell it more strongly. I think that's where I'm most that that's where I've most improved on. Yeah, it sounds like you were like the the gatekeeper of these people's stories in a way. And Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, do you think do you think that was a bit of your role also? Yeah, so so it was it was very important, especially with the the second incident, right? It was so important to to be understanding of of the family, and uh, uh, because we had to film in the hospital itself, mm. <laughs> and then <laughs> we had to be wary of the amount of time we take to film because the kid cannot leave the the ICU room too long. Um, yeah, and and the kid. You know, if he starts crying, uh, we have to stop there and then, and then the story is gone, right? So there were so many sensitivities, and and then you also have to balance like your client. Of of course, first and foremost, you have to balance your client's requirements, which is to to share the positive message of the run. You know, uh, running with your your fellow army mates. That was the key message that you have to always bear in mind. And yeah. then you have to balance the sensitivities of the the family, and then you have to also balance your your journal, the journalists and their own what what they are looking for in a story. Uh, yeah, it's it's very, uh, it's not easy, but it's very fulfilling uh, when you have come across stories like this. Okay, and and like from there, what were the obstacles that you encountered on the job? The the big the biggest problem for me I would say is uh I tend to be quite stubborn and I'm not a very good communicator. So I think this was the this is such a ir- irony because I'm my job as a communicator is to communicate um, communicate well <laughs> with with uh different parties be, be, yeah be the intermediary basically. Yeah. But but my my biggest weakness was uh, communicating with my own colleagues my my struggles and my difficulties while doing the job. So because I was so used to a certain way of working, so I, I, for the most part, for the first maybe two years of my career, I was very focused on working in a single team because our our our, our agency is very lean. Uh, each of us hold about a few accounts and I was so used to working alone um, of course with my managers oversight uh, overseeing everything um, but 
slowly in between my second and third year we we decided to be more we we our our my management decided to play a more hands-on role in all the accounts so so we had to work across several accounts and communicate more but then uh you know my juvenile thinking was very slow to go through that change and that's why mm. that was my biggest problem lah I had some uh, difficulties with communicating with my seniors about it. And so it was that, kind of like an internal communication within the company. Yeah, yeah. I would say that. I would say that. Um, I I I know where my strengths are. I know that I'm good at uh, sort of uh, um, doing crafting narratives uh, for for very singular impactful stories for clients for certain clients yeah but my biggest and perhaps the most important trait that i was missing right was internal communications which i know i'm still learning lah so yeah it was it, it's still it's still quite difficult for me because um i i would say i would say i'm an introvert myself so it's very difficult for me to if I don't trust you. It's very difficult for me to communicate with you. I have to learn how to do that. I know that um, once I lose my trust in you, I still have to learn how to to communicate with you in order to meet my objective. But this was the biggest sort of obstacle for me. Was there was there a key moment uh, in your in your in the past four years that you like really questioned your ability? Like you thought you could do something, but then Maybe you have some doubts after a certain incident. Uh, yeah, no, there weren't. There weren't any key, like um major moments that I can remember. But it was a very slow drip kind of thing where like certain incidents where I knew I should have spoken to someone about this particular thing. So, for example, there was a uh there were there were some issues that that. I needed the help of my manager, but um, because our relationship by that time had uh, was quite frayed, so I was just not able to to discuss with him anything at that point of time. And then I I wanted to do it on my own, and I kept going to it, and then I kept I kept pushing through, pushing through. Then I realized, fuck! Like at that point. I needed the help already, and but by then it was too late. And then, you know, somehow the objective sort of uh, not failed, but uh, so, uh, they needed to step in. The management needed to step in to help me. And then they asked me, like, you know, why why didn't you bring it up first? Then I said because you know, like to be honest, my my relationship with so and so is not going great, and I I I just find it very difficult to. But I'm trying to work on it. So. So what happened was I I had to speak to the manager and you know to to sort of uh, hash out all these like inner um, resentment or or whatever. Yeah. So so I'm 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 still working on that lah. I think I would say, but it was all these like slow drip, small little incidents where I realized like oh fuck I actually have a problem with with uh, internal communications. And also, letting go of things. I guess once you 
you notice that you have these kind these um problems or these weaknesses do you do anything to try and improve on that so i realized i i think i pinpointed the one issue that i have with myself is uh um I, i'm too critical to the point where if i think i'm going to do something wrong i have to fix it myself before i go to uh before i tell someone mm. so so that's where i i went through some sessions where i uh where the 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 coach actually taught me how to be not self critical but sort of analyze my own traits and be more um confident in my abilities and my skills and to and from there right once once i'm able to not be so self critical i'm also able to have a better relationship because i wouldn't have all these like doubts in my head that i think that oh maybe this person doesn't think too highly of me because but it's all from myself you see mm. like all it's these like own, criticism your is, own internal communication yeah 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 so it's my own internal like conflict yeah so so that's where that's where i i think i found it most difficult uh, during my my career so far i guess not only when you what do you do to fix it but kind of um like what were the the steps you do did to like work out with these your colleagues or like your managers were there any like actions that you took yeah so so first of all i i wrote down a list of things that uh i i know it sounds very like very ridiculous to do but then i first had to write down things that i liked about myself or i thought that i did well uh traits that i think i've developed uh and maybe things that i think i can improve on then they allow me to reassess like oh this this is where my weaknesses are and then from there the next step was to speak to the people that my relationship wasn't very good at and try to understand their concerns and their frustrations with me or rather communicating with me so from there we understand both each other we we found where the the little incidents were that sort of uh, led to this like big uh issue but it was we realized like it's is very small like minor incidences which which uh um you know if if we nipped it in the bud there then 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 it would have been better so in that case like do you think if you could kind of start over would there be anything that you have done differently at the start yeah i think no i think i think i would have reset my expectations of what i thought pr was um uh you can't exist in a vacuum lah what what do you mean uh, by that so so you can't work so pr is all about speaking to people and building relations as much as it is about creating or or rather crafting content or crafting narratives for people and for brands 
um, it's about building the relationship with different parties. Um, so first of all, you have to build a relationship with your client. You have to build a relationship with your your direct superior. You have to build a relationship with your the journalists, and you have to build a relationship with the 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 audience that you want to. So yeah. all these are all interpersonal relationships that help you do your job. Mm-hmm. And and my problem was the some of the relationships weren't so good. My problem was the internal part wasn't so good. And so and because these are not good right sometimes it can overflow into the other relationships mm. so that's what i mean by it can't exist in a vacuum like i can't work i can't work on them separately i have to work on them together uh if my relationship with my direct superior is good then communication with others will flow much better i mean so in that vein like what advice would you maybe give yourself if you were to see someone that is in a similar situation or what advice would you give to that person? To someone starting out, uh, let's say. Yeah. Like an in- intern in your company or something that comes and asks for you. Yeah, ask it's, it's quite advice. funny. <laughs> so, Has so, so, Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. right now, like, uh, right now, maybe between jobs and then the, the new, the new guy that came into my agency just before I left, right? Uh, uh, he was he was very fresh, lah. So, um, I I remember I remember telling him like you know just uh don't don't think about the the end goal first because it will scare you so much. Sometimes the end goal is like super insurmountable, right? You have to do it, so you have to think about it in steps, and um. I can't remember what we were supposed to do. Like, I think we were supposed to uh, contact a number of agencies, uh, contact a number of media companies uh, to, to, to explore opportunities to, to, to send out this particular message for this particular client. And then everything was too, was too much for him or something. I don't know. So I told him, no, mind, just think, okay, just think, I need to talk to this company first and foremost and then once you develop this way of speaking to mm. um, this particular company that can that can guide you in your in the way you speak to others what then he's like oh yeah, yeah thank you thank you thank you yeah I saw a bit of myself at that time because I was I realized like oh uh, because I kept thinking about the the end the end goal right which was like super big obstacle for me right I kept mm. panicking about the the little things when actually if you break it down right when you break down your 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 big project into little tasks right it's so much easier once you conquer little steps right you realize that you're much closer to your end goal mm. so and then he calmed down for a bit then he was like yeah yeah okay okay and then I I wish I think I I did have some of this guide, guidance lah, but it was in, uh, uh, I felt a lot of the times when in my first year, right, I was, um, it was sink or swim, right. so I felt I felt like I needed more guidance in that sense, but I I didn't receive that, and it's of no fault of anyone in company. I should have asked, and you know, as as we all know, I'm terrible at like internal communication, so 
that's 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 that was my sort of um, learning curve. Uh. What do you think will be the next like steps for you in terms of maybe not only like your career but also like self improvement and the things that you want to keep on improving from the weaknesses that you've you've seen yourself have. I hope this doesn't sound like cop out, right? But then, uh, like, <laughs> so in the past year, I've been trying to work on my relationships with my friends and my and my uh and my family. Uh, I I realized right, in the time that I worked, I I have not um shared my burdens with anyone. Uh, for the first three years. And that really, I think that really took a toll uh, towards the end of the third year. Yeah, end of the third year. So I think that was an important point because you realize, because my initial thinking was that I already, I already worked the entire day, right? I, I don't want them to, I don't want my family members or my loved ones or my friends to have to think about, wow, like, you know, you know like, or, like pity me or, like take all like, your problems for you. Yeah, yeah. Why would they want to hear the the kind of troubles that I have at work, or even not even troubles like my day to day? Why would they want to hear? Yeah. Uh, but it was so important for my own well being because I realized that that's the whole point of life, right? <laughs> Is to share your stories so that someone who may be in the same boat as you or may be going through the same thing in some other parallel way mm. they can also relate to you their own uh, struggles and and you can come to a better solution what and I was terrible at that like I would hear things from people but I would never share things about myself so I think in the past year I've, I've been doing that more uh, and I think it's one thing that a lot of people I, okay, I don't know. I don't know if a lot of people do that, but I think that I have overlooked for a good portion of my life, of at least in my working career, I've not done it before the last year. Uh, yeah, I just thought that it was not something that I want to burden my my loved ones with. But I, it's not burdening, but it's just sharing. finding. Yeah, it's just sharing and finding solutions together. Okay, okay. nice. I think we are just about in. Yeah. <laughs> Our thing is going to get cut off. The Zoom call is going to get cut off in Oh yeah, seconds. 40 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. okay, okay, okay. Bye. Bye.